And I hadn't seen Scott in months. And I get out of the vehicle that I've been traveling in for hours, and I hear this voice back in the background, Mike! Mike, I have an assignment for you. You know, no, hey, Mike, good to see you. How are you doing? How's Annette? How have things been going? No, it's just, Mike, I have an assignment for you. So I haven't even settled into the men's retreat, and he's already laid this lesson on me. So anyway, um, and then he doesn't even stick around to hear it. I don't know how you feel about that, but I know how I feel about that. Actually, I'm good with it. (laughs) No problem at all. That's right, that's right. It is really, like I said, this is a unique opportunity to be gathered on a weekend with a a group of shepherds and their wives and men who aspire to to serve in that capacity or preachers who work alongside those men and women. Just a really unique opportunity, and I I count it a great privilege to be able to be here uh, with you. Wanted to begin by just... I know this is a silly question, but are there events in the scriptures that you just you just would like to have witnessed if you could? I mean, of course, that's a silly question. Uh, the creation wouldn't have been bad to be able to see, you know, the, uh, the the big things, the parting of the Red Sea or the Jordan River. All of those are big things, and and any miracle, honestly, would would have been fantastic. I have a favorite though, and and it's kind of weird. It may be because of my years uh, as an evangelist, perhaps, but. The text assigned to me is, is one of those favorites of mine that if I could have been there, if I could have been a fly on the wall, although it didn't happen in a room, so it would have had to have been a fly flying around or a bug on the ground or something, if I could have just been there to witness, except that I would have needed to have my notepad and pen so that I could take notes. Because what we have here in this text in, in Luke chapter 24 is Jesus preaching Jesus. That's, that's pretty cool, really. I mean, I've preached Jesus for a long time, and many of you have as well, and that's a great thing. I've even, I've even preached Jesus from the Old Testament, tried to share the words that Moses said and the prophets said, and tried to work my way through that. But this is Jesus doing that. And I would love to have notes of where He went as He, as he imparted this particular lesson. Let's read it together, uh, and, and, and then we'll go from there. We have an interesting beginning to the weekend, I think, and and I'll talk about that in just a second. But here's what we have. Luke 24, verse 13. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still, looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, or Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people, how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. 
Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going farther. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it's getting toward evening. The day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. Breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the Scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of bread. So we have Jesus preaching Jesus. A great, a great event. Now, if you've looked ahead at the schedule, we're, we're on a journey this weekend. That's the, that's the heading, the journey. The journey begins, although, with the Lord's journey. The Lord's journey into our lives. That's what we're going to use this text to sort of think about for a little bit. But once we've done that, then the rest of the weekend is about our journey. Uh, maybe you've looked ahead. The rest is about our journey, our, the, the one that we're on. But it begins with the Lord's journey into our lives. And I think we could probably go a lot of different directions. How, how the Lord journeys into our lives and the impact that that has on us. But I just want to use this text and just kind of notice some things about the Lord's journey into our lives. What's that like? What happens? What should happen? And to be really personal with you, why hasn't it happened? Why hasn't the impact that we notice here and in other places, why hasn't that been in the case in my life? Why am I not impacted that same way as the Lord has journeyed into my life? So let's just observe a few things. Let's, let's enjoy the text and, and make some application and then I just can't wait to be uh, sitting and listening and feeding from my other brothers that will be sharing this weekend. So what happens when the Lord journeys into our lives? Well, I think one of the, one of the most interesting things, and I wish I could take credit for the, being the first one, this keeps popping. Am I doing something or is it too high? Is it, am I okay? Is it, is it too loud? I'm fine. Okay, I hear a popping. If it's not bothering you, I'll forget about it myself. But probably the first thing we notice, we look no farther than, than the footprints or sandal prints that are left in the dusty road between Jerusalem and Emmaus. And if you notice the tracks that are heading from Jerusalem to Emmaus, they're, they're kind of plodding along. Now, I know we haven't really seen them, so you're going to have to work with me a little bit here. But I think they're kind of slow. They're just shuffling along. They're, the toes are dragging occasionally. I don't think it's very direct. It's, it's wandering around. It's a, it's a couple of guys who are not too sure necessarily what's going on. And so they're just making their way back home to Emmaus. But if you look, perhaps in some of the same area there, there's another couple of sets of tracks, and they're headed the other direction. They're headed from Emmaus back to Jerusalem, only now these tracks are not plodding along. They're, they're quite a distance apart. 
looks like perhaps two guys are even running. It's only miles. Uh, that's not very far, Craig. A seven miles, that's just a little more than a 10K. People run that distance all the time. These guys are running back to Jerusalem. What's the difference between the plodding footprints that go all over the place and those that are stretching out? In fact, they're getting longer as they get closer to Jerusalem. The difference is the Lord's journey into the lives of those men. Amen? And that's, that's it. That's the difference. Where I'm uncertain, where I'm plodding along, not with very good direction, and then suddenly I have focus, I have direction, and I'm, in a, I'm eager to get there. That's what the Lord's journey into our lives should bring about. There should be a change in our gait, so to speak. But that's not all. There's something else in the physical and, and mental makeup of these guys. Right off, right off the bat, when Jesus asks them what's going on, we have this, this statement in verse 17, that they stood still and they looked sad. They're sad. It's interesting that's the word that's captured there. I bet also, just reading from what they said, that they're confused a bit disillusioned, maybe a little bit hopeful, but concerned. They've heard some things. But primarily, they're, they're unsure, and, and, they're, and they're, they look sad to Jesus. That's the description that Luke captures. A little bit later, though, having had the Lord journey into their lives, it's entirely different. There, there's a focus, and there's a direction. I would suggest that there is an enthusiasm in these guys. I would say that they're positive. They can't wait to get back to Jerusalem. Verse 33 says, they got up that very hour. Now, seven miles walking home might seem like a lot to you, um, and maybe it is. But for these guys, they had, they had plotted along seven miles. They had spent that time with Jesus. And now that they understand what's going on, they're ready to get back. And let's share what's happened. There is, a, there is an enthusiasm. There's an excitement, a positivity, and brothers and sisters, if the Lord has made into our lives and there's not an enthusiasm, if there's not a positivity, then something's wrong. And maybe we're just playing, pretending to be Christians and shepherds and the wives of shepherds. And I'm talking to myself more than anybody right now. If, if, I'm, if I'm missing that direction and that intentionality and that positivity... Something's wrong. If the Lord has truly journeyed into my life, there should be a change. And it should be noticeable. So that's some of what we see, I think, when we look at this text. I think there are times when we're simply unaware that the Lord has journeyed into our lives. Sometimes events take place, situations occur, and we're just simply unaware. That's the case in the text here, right? They, they didn't realize that the Lord was on this journey with them. They didn't realize that it was the Lord. They, it says they were prevented from recognizing Him, but I think we can draw some illustration here. Sometimes we're just simply unaware that the Lord is intending to connect with us and make a difference in our lives, and for whatever reason, we're just not aware. I think sometimes we're guilty of simply being too busy. We just don't notice. We're not aware that He's there, or, or we're distracted... A lot of things distract Christians. I heard an amazing short account just when I got here about a brother from this place and incredible sacrifice on behalf of the Lord. I think sometimes we're busy 
And we might even be doing wholesome things, things that are fine, but there's just too much of it. And so we're distracted. And the Lord has something in in mind for us where we serve, where we oversee, and we're just we're just distracted. We're just too busy. I hope it's I hope it's not because we're not interested. But I have to once again I, I once again I have to say it. I think there are times we're simply not interested. Really, Mike? Yeah. For me, there are times when I have things to do, I have plans that are made. They're not bad, they're not sinful, they're good things. And, and I don't know that I have time for what perhaps he, he has for me. I'm just, I'm just confessing this afternoon. I hope that's not the case. These guys had a reason, obviously, that they were unaware. And sometimes we maybe know why, why we're unaware as well. The, the Lord here in the text asks some questions. I, I kind of get a kick out of the way Jesus deals with the guys here at the very beginning and then when they get to the city. He, he asks and then He waits patiently. You know, what's going on? What's, what's happened? What things? You know, you're the only one that doesn't know. And after Jesus asks, then He just listens. Look at verse 19. The, the things about Jesus the Nazarene. He was a prophet, mighty in deed and word in sight of God and all the people. Chief priests and the rulers delivered him to the sentence of death, crucified him. We're hoping it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, third day since these things happened, some women among us, they amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, didn't find his body. Jesus just lets them go on, explain. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as women also had said, but him they did not see. Jesus lets them speak. He patiently listens. And I think, I think that that's true for us as the Lord journeys into our lives. I think, I think He's the same way. I think He's patient. And I think He listens. And I don't think He's pushy either. Look at verse 28. When they get all the way to the village, Jesus speaks a little bit, and then He shares all of His stuff about Himself preaching Jesus. Verse 28, they approach the village where they were going... And Jesus acted as though he were going farther. Some translations say he pretended. You struggle with that any? Jesus gave the impression that he had somewhere else to go. He, he acted like he had somewhere else to go. He pretended that he was going somewhere else. I think, I think that's interesting. But what I take from that is the Lord, he journeys into our lives, but he doesn't force us into anything. He... He wants us to pursue Him. He wants us to be interested in Him, but he's not, he's not pushy. And so, having shared all that information, He acts as though He's got somewhere else to go. And then He waits. And He waits. And He waits specifically for an invitation to, to come into the life. I think the Lord lays the opportunity out there, and again, He's not pushy. He waits for an invitation. And in this case, the guys invite him, right? Why don't you come? It's late. Come stay with us, and we know what happens next. But I think in our case sometimes, we just fail to invite him. And it may not be in words. I mean, our, our prayers may, may utter things that sound good, but in reality, I'm not sure that that's really what I, what I want to do. I listen to myself pray sometimes i listen to my brothers pray sometimes and often what i hear is someone telling god rather than asking god 
telling God how, how it should be done or, or what He should do. And I think the Lord journeys into our life. Sometimes, sometimes it's not so subtle, is it? In situations, sometimes it's it's real in our face, but other times it seems really subtle. But the bottom line is, he he doesn't force us. He could have. He could have made robots and forced us to be a certain way, but he, motivated by love, created us with a choice. And so he journeys into our lives, and then he he waits for an invitation. And for whatever reason, sometimes I fear often it's just that that we're a little too comfortable with our lives and where we are. And that if I really invite the Lord in and, and embrace some of the things that it sounds like He might be expecting me to do, life could change significantly. I might have to give up some things. My life might have to be lived in a different way. And I, and I may just be speaking of myself. I, I doubt it. I, I, fear for, I fear for us. I fear for our children and their children. Annette and I have great eight grandchildren now five girls and three boys, and I, I fear for them. I fear for my daughters sometimes. They, they love God. I believe they do. But I don't know if they're eager to actually invite the Lord into their lives and, and take up residence there because it might change the level of comfort that they now enjoy. And some of us may be there. Even as we, as we get older, we, we kind of want to leave things alone. Imagine if these apostles or these disciples had never said, hey, why don't you stay? And they just let Jesus go away. What they would have missed out on. But they invite, and Jesus stays, and He comes. And then we find in verse 30, most amazing thing, I think. Well, next to them, recognizing that it's Him. But in verse 30, He, he comes home with them. And it says, when He had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Don't you find that a little bit odd? Because he, he's a guest. He's been invited into the home. He was invited to stay, and when he gets in there, he begins to serve. And I just, that just made me think about the Lord again journeying into my life, and what's that like? Well, when he gets into my life, he doesn't sit down and expect to be served. He's, he's serving me. He's providing me the opportunity. He's the great giver. And His nature is to be gracious to us. And so we invite Him in and maybe there's reluctance because we're not sure what that will mean. But when we finally do, we're in the best position we've ever been in. Because He's present and He's the great giver and He's willing, well, and, and already has provided everything that we possibly could use. Amazing. I think it boils down to some, some simple truths that are in the Scriptures, though. One that, one that encourages me and haunts me at the same time is what Jeremiah says, that God says, if you seek for me with all your heart, then you'll find me. If you seek for me with all your heart, then you'll find me. I want, I want God. I want to find God. Am I willing to seek for Him with all my heart? Or does He get... You know, 30%, 70%, 85%.Because Jeremiah says, "With all the heart, with the whole heart." And I think that that's what it, what it means. The, the Lord journeys into our lives, but are we seeking Him with that entire heart of ours? Or, or are we giving Him something less? Well, I think finally, then, 
the Lord journeys into our lives as He did into these guys' lives. And they recognize Him and they invite Him in. And we recognize Him and we invite Him in. I'm running a parallel with us and these, these two disciples. Once that happens then, man, it's go time. Once we've invited the Lord in and we recognize Him and we know it's Him and we know what the plan is, we know what His business is, it's go time. There's no more excuses. Let's do this. And that's kind of what we're doing up here in Belgrade this weekend, I think. Are we going to do this or, or not do this? Are we, going to, are we going to gather for a few days and listen to some good stuff and encourage each other and then go back and be the same? Or will we recognize the Lord's journey into our lives and be different because of it? Every, the Lord must get tired of my prayers because they're the same so much of the time. These guys, when they reach that go point and Jesus vanishes from their sight, again, we read it before, but verse 33, they got up that very hour. That very hour. I picture some of us saying, you know, that was really good. How about, how about next week we start doing this? Or how about next month we make some changes and we start doing this? How about right now? You know, next month on the 1st of February, I'm going to start whatever. Well, how about, how about today instead? Because that's what they did. They didn't wait. Well, you know, it's already late and we, we already did the seven miles. Let's wait till tomorrow and we'll, we'll, make, we'll get up early. We'll get up early and we'll get there. That'll be just as good. Well, no, they hoofed it back. doesn't take that long to run seven miles, honestly, especially if you've got enthusiasm behind you. And they go back and they arrive there and now it's time to speak and to share. And I think in our lives, again, the Lord journeys into our lives and touches us and makes a difference and we recognize Him and we invite Him in and we understand what this is about. Now it's time to share. Now it's time to speak up and not be silent anymore. And man, does the world need to hear the message. You know, Peter and John in Acts couldn't help but speak of the things that they've seen and heard. Could, could, could you say that? As the Lord journeyed into your life in such a way that you can... Tell someone about him. In fact, you can't help but tell someone about him. That, to me, is, is kind of what we find here. His, his journey into our lives. What, what does it mean when the Lord journeys into our lives? Well, he brings, he brings renewal. He brings restoration. He brings commitment. He brings courage. Those are the kind of things that the Lord journeys into our lives and, and brings about. And I, I hope that that's the kind of thing that we're hungry for. I hope that's what we're here for. Again, I can only speak for myself and the wretch that I am. My wife can attest. But, but I, I don't want to be the same. I'm 58. I don't know how much more I got, but I don't want to, I don't want to just keep living the way I'm living now. I'm not content. I mean, there is a contentedness, because I know that's important, but, but I want to keep growing. I, I want the Lord to change me, and I know that it boils down to me identifying Him in my life and letting Him do His thing. And there have been some times when Annette and I had to make some difficult decisions. We had to make some sacrifices. And I think probably there's going to be more of those if, if this is it. And, and the bottom line is, folks, this is it. I've, I've experienced a lot of death in the past 
Two years, we'll say. At 18 months, when Annette's mother passed away, that was the third parent we'd lost in 18 months. My, my stepdad, then my mom, and then her mom, and now we got her dad, and he'll probably live longer than we live. So he's going to live with us for the rest of our lives. But you know, when you go through that, and I had one lady at my mother's funeral tell me it's, it's strange to be a, an orphan at any age, and it is, isn't it? I'm probably looking at a lot of orphans here. The reality about being an orphan is we're next, right? None of us getting out of this thing alive. So what difference am I going to make until that day, whenever it is? I'll be honest with you. I think about that every day, probably too much. But in preparing for this lesson and thinking about it, I've realized part of what my problem is, and that is... I need to identify the Lord's journey into my life and be willing to go with Him wherever He wants me to go. And I hope I'm willing to do that. I hope that that you are too. We're going to talk about our journey next, and I'm looking really forward to that, but kind of fun to start with His journey into into our lives. And see, I only had 30 minutes prepared anyway. So let's let's pray together, and I'll go sit down. Father, thank you for this special weekend. You have had it on our hearts for a long time, and I just am so thankful to the to the brethren here and, and in other parts of Montana that have made this possible. I just can't wait, Father, for us to continue uh, in fellowship, talking with one another, encouraging one another as we make plans to lead and and to assist and, and to be examples. And, and Father, I pray that the reality of your journey into our life would be something that we embrace and look for and are willing to respond to. We know you, you can do anything through us if we'll, if we'll let you. And I pray that we would let you. Not only let you, but encourage you with great enthusiasm to, to take over, to call the shots, to use us until we're completely used up, and then to bring us home. Father, thank you. For all these folks, and please bless our hours that we'll spend together. We thank you for Jesus most of all, the hope we live with because of what he did on the cross. And we pray in his precious name.